How you doing, you lovely looking bunch of people out there? Happy Sunday, happy Sunday. We are, and I want to add my thanks to everybody who is uh, helping out and making sure we're doing the best we can to keep everybody safe, everybody happy. Everybody happy this morning? You happy? I, um, I, I like to fish, not really. I, I, I'm terrible at fishing, um, but I like to fish in some of my designs uh, for t- titles of series. You know, what better, what better, what better uh, sermon title to get some of your friends out there uh, to share? Uh, wait, for some reason Siri is uh, tracking everything I'm saying right now. All right, back to we go. Uh, anyway, what a better title, huh, to get some of, some of our, our pals to check in than Oktoberfest, right? So, but before you think that we're going to have beer trucks pulling up in the parking lot next week, and if we do, it has nothing to do with me, right? I, 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 can't, I can't control a group of 400-some people. Anyway, but, but there's no better phrase to steal for our celebration of coming back together than this, Oktoberfest, reunited and it feels so good, right? Yeah. Celebrating the joy of coming back together to unite again to pursue God. Anybody ready to pursue God together? I think it's healthy I think it's healthy, even in times like this, to celebrate. It's healthy to celebrate. The Apostle Paul, from a dungeon, tells us to rejoice in the Lord always, and then he says, and I'll tell you again, rejoice. It's a good thing. My grandson Graham's newly discovered friend, the Donut Man and Duncan, get it, the Donut Man and Duncan, well, he sings the song, The Joy of the Lord is My Strength, and it's one of the many songs that Graham is singing 24-7, seven days a week, 365. Celebration is a good thing. Maybe you know this also. Maybe you know that uh, if you're a Bible scholar and you're up on the things of of prophecy and stuff, you know that uh, Israel, the Jewish people, just celebrated this past week a a, a kind of an Oktoberfest. It's called the Feasts of Tabernacles, and it just ended sundown Friday night. It's the third of the fall feasts of Israel, Rosh Hashanah, trumpets, the Day of Atonement, and the Feast of Tabernacles. Some call it the Feast of Booth or the Feast of Shelters. The Hebrew word is Sukkot, Sukkot. It's the seventh and last festival on the biblical calendar. It just ended sundown Friday night. What is the Festival of Tabernacles about? Well, God wanted the Israelites to observe this festival by living in temporary shelters to commemorate the 40 years as they went from Egypt's captivity to the promised land. It should have only taken them about 40 days. It took them 40 years because of unbelief. But during that time, God in his mercy provided miraculously for them for 40 years manna from heaven for food and water out of places where water couldn't be found. And he did it for 40 years. And he then set up this festival so that they would never forget. Everybody say never forget. Never forget the faithfulness of God. As a matter of fact, do you know over this past week, many Jewish people in Jerusalem actually built a shelter around uh, Israel near where the temple would have been, a temporary structure. They put palm branches up. They seriously do it, and others do it in other parts of the world. Some people in New York City would put it up on the roof of their, of their house, and, 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 and some would even stay in it for seven days just to commemorate that. Isn't that cool? Um, can you imagine doing that? That'd be kind of kind of interesting. Sean, you think maybe next we'll, we'll, we'll do it? Okay. The, the, but the church has a reason to celebrate. 
at all times, not just a few times of the year, special events, but we have a reason. Do you have a reason to celebrate? I feel like there's a celebrative spirit in our midst today, right? God's been good to us. Would you say that with me? God's been good to us. Mm? Even through all this, God is so good. God, you're so faithful. Let's take one more minute and just give him a tremendous applause of thanksgiving, Lord. Lord Jesus, we praise your name. All right, great. So I ch I've chosen a, a, a section from the Psalms. It's about three quarters of the way through the book of Psalms. It's called the Songs of Ascents, A-S-C-E-N-T-S, songs. It was the songs that were penned by David and others to, to provide a means of worship pre preparation as people would come from all over Israel to worship God in Jerusalem during one of the feast days, all seven. And uh, King Solomon then built the temple on, the, on that mountain called Mount Zion then. And, the, and for centuries, God's people would go on these pilgrimages to the Holy Land and Jerusalem. And can you imagine as they came up over that last crest and saw the city of God? They would be singing and worshiping and meditating and saying these songs of ascents on their journey to Israel. So I chose uh, one of them from Psalm 122. It's a celebrative uh, psalm, and I, I, I wanted to set the tone for our coming back together, our Oktoberfest, and I'd like you to read the first five verses with me out loud. I've missed your voices in the house of the Lord. Would you? Psalm 122, verses one through five, let's go. I rejoiced with those who said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. Our feet are standing in your gates, Jerusalem. Jerusalem is built like a city that is closely compacted together. That is where the tribes go up, the tribes of the Lord, to praise the name of the Lord according to the statute given to Israel. There the thrones of judgment, the thrones of the house of David stand. Would you pray with me? Lord, we're so thankful to be here together this morning. We've come to celebrate your faithfulness, your goodness. I pray you'd bless those who hear, bless those who are here, those watching and those who will watch. Bless them, keep us safe, build your people, we ask, and bring in souls from the sea of lost humanity to Christ. We ask it all in the name of Jesus. Amen? Amen. Amen. This was one of those psalms that thousands of Jews would sing and meditate upon as they traveled to Israel and this one during the Feast of Tabernacles. I'm gonna go back and just cover something real quick about the Feast of Tabernacles, past, present, and future. In Leviticus 23, you'll find all seven feasts, and the seven feasts of Israel are God's timepieces to unfold throughout the generations, the, the, the purpose of God, the messianic plan, salvation in Jesus Christ, and they point to his first and second comings. First and second comings, that's past. That's, what they, that's why they were established. Present, I, I consider the present time from the first coming of Jesus to the second coming of Jesus, right? And Jesus actually went up to this festival of shelters, to the uh, Feast of Tabernacles, and on the great day of that feast, he stood up in the temple and he said with a loud voice, if any man thirst, right? The water had been provided for 40 years miraculously. Jesus stands up 
in that moment when they're pointing to that and he says, if any man thirst, let him come to me and drink. As the scripture says, out of your innermost being will flow rivers of living water. This he spoke of the spirit which had not yet been given because Jesus had not yet been glorified. But since he's been glorified, he has poured out this, the presence of the Holy Spirit, and that day is the present time. We are actually, we are actually in, the, in the dimensions of Passover. We're actually in the dimensions of Pentecost, the coming of the Spirit, right? And we're also, you and I, are traveling on a journey together, to that land, that city of God. And during that time, Jesus promises to provide living water with his presence in our heart, living bread, his living word to our souls. You know what? Not everybody enjoyed that 40-year journey. And not everybody's enjoying the journey of the Christian life. The joy in the journey is not a promise for us, but it is a discovery for anyone who will drink in the Spirit of God regularly and feed on the Word of God regularly. There's no promise that you'll have joy in your Christian life, but there can be a discovery of joy by drinking in the Spirit and feeding on God's Word. Past, present, future. Do you know what? I don't know if you know this or not, but in Zechariah 14, it says that there will be one feast of the seven that is celebrated and actually mandated for 1,000 years when Jesus comes back. Did you know he's coming back? He's coming back, and he's going to set up his throne in Jerusalem, and he's going to set up his throne, and for 1,000 years, listen, this is in Zechariah 14, 9, and the Lord will be king over all the earth. On that day, there will be one Lord, and his name alone will be worshiped. Guess what his name is? Guess what it is? It's not Allah. It's not Brahma. It's Jesus. 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 Verse 11, and Jerusalem will be filled safe at last, never again to be cursed and destroyed. When Jesus comes back, all the nations are going to gather around Jerusalem at the Battle of Armageddon, and he's going to come back, and he's going to have the say. And the Lord will send a plague on all the nations that fought against Jerusalem. People will become like walking corpses with their flesh rotting away. I didn't say it. God did. On that day, there will be terror and great panic because the Lord will come to establish his power. The wealth of all the neighboring nations will be captured, great quantities of gold and silver and fine clothing. It'll be the second exodus. In the first exodus, when Israel came out, they came out with the riches of Egypt. When the king comes back, those riches will be accumulated again and be given to God's people. Everybody say, I want to be a part of that. In verse 16, it says, in the end, the enemies of Jerusalem who survived, listen to this. I don't understand everything about the, the end times and the, and the millennial reign, but listen to this. Read it. It's in, it's in Zechariah. In the end, the enemies of Jerusalem who survived the plague, listen, will go up to Jerusalem each year to worship the king, the Lord of heaven's armies, and celebrate the Feast of Tabernacles. Listen to this. Any nation in the world that refuses to come to Jerusalem to worship the king, the Lord will send no rain on their land. Now, I added that part for those who get tempted to believe Jesus isn't serious business. And getting right with the Lord is a must. And there will be a reckoning by the Lord someday for every person, every nation that didn't honor him in this life, or his people, or the nation of Israel. But there will be, oh, you think this is a celebration. 
This is like being in a boring library with no one there but you, writing a paper you don't want to write, compared to that. That is going to be never-ending joy celebrated forever and ever and ever with the one we've longed to see our whole life long, and we'll see him face to face. Glory to his name. I said all that to take us to Psalm 122, because while we wait for that, we can celebrate on the way. Hey, look at your neighbor and say, I can't touch you, I can't high-five you, but I can tell you, we can celebrate on the way. Hey, you know that emoji in your, on your iPhone that looks like praying hands? I wonder if it's a high-five. Do you ever wonder that? Look at it next time, it'll, your mind will go. It's both, it's probably both. Look at Psalm 122 closely, ready? We are reunited to commit to his purposes. Verse one, we come together for worship for every generation and beyond, right? His purpose is for his people to come together. Do you know that's what the word church really means? Called to assemble. Ecclesia, called to assemble called by God to assemble over Jesus. We are called to come together in the name of Jesus. That's right, flat top. You who groove up slowly with juju eyeballs, you holy rollers, with feet down to your knees. One thing I can tell you is you gotta be free. So come together right now, and that's where we change, over Jesus. Because only he is the son who can set us free. And everyone outside of that, even if you're in a rock band, you're in a rock that doesn't roll. So, have you noticed I really, I love to preach. So, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. Our feet are standing in your gates, Jerusalem. Look at the passion about getting together with God, standing on our feet in the house of the Lord from generation to generation. They were to do this feast for generation after generation after generation after generation. And so are we. Not a feast necessarily, but a gathering together. We reunite week after, listen, we reunite week after week to come and stand together in the Lord's house rejoicing in his presence. That's our purpose. Shine kids are downstairs. Man, shine kids, they were going from the word go. I mean, those kids were singing, they were shouting, they were singing. Shine kids in the presence of Jesus this morning. The move tonight in the presence of Jesus. Sunday, fun day, this morning, each week in the presence of Jesus. I rejoice when they said unto me, let us go to the house of the Lord. That's a purpose. We've been called to a purpose. Come together in the name of Jesus. Another part of the purpose is tribal connections to Christ. There were 12 tribes that made up the nation of Israel. They were unique and different, very different, yet they were all called by God to come together at least three times a year. You know what? You and I, around this room and in this house, we are all unique, right? Have you ever met any unique people in your life? I mean, right, we'll just, we'll just keep it nice and great. Just unique. We're all, we're all unique. We're, you know, in Christ, we're all, we're all covered in grace, but a lot of us are covered in goofy too, right? You know, I have my moments, I got my stuff. You got your stuff. We all have our stuff. We're all different, but we unite in the church of Jesus Christ and we come together in Christ. Why, why does God want us to come together? Because God, mo let's say this, God moments bond hearts. God, say it over here, God's moment, God moments blah, blah, bond hearts. Why do we come together? 
Isn't it amazing, even though we are all different, we all have at least one commonality? Peter calls it our precious faith, our love for Jesus. And we're called to come up by faith. Come up together in the Spirit to our mother. That's what Paul called the new Jerusalem in in the Spirit. She is our mother, the city of God above, and she's free. Galatians 4 says that. We do that. We come together, and we're on planet Earth, but our spirit goes into high places, in heavenly places. Isaiah describes the city of Messiah, the spiritual Jerusalem. If you, you can read it in Isaiah 59 to 66. It's my favorite gospel of all four. Well, actually, it's the fifth. But Isaiah describes the city of Messiah, the spiritual Jerusalem, like a mother which nurses her babies at her breast. Now, I'm sorry, but the Hebrew says it this way, that are abounding. What did your pastor preach on today? Abounding breastfeeding in the house of God. So Isaiah 59, seriously, I'm serious. Read it. God promises if you come to, to Messiah, your life will be, you'll be like, you'll be like being nursed by a mama that's, uh, Ready to nurse. <laughs> Read that this afternoon. You, you, you and God figure that out. Verse 3. Look, look at verse 3. I'm serious. Verse 3. Jerusalem is built like a city that is closely compacted together. Can I just say, I appreciate you doing everything you can to keep everybody else safe. I appreciate whatever your personal convictions are about all that's going on right now that you will either uh, put those aside or, or put them in your own personal uh, conscious work with God and come together thinking about everybody else. I, don't, I know you don't, I don't want one person to ever gather in this place and then we find out they got infected with COVID-19. Do you? Mm-mm. I, I don't want you to infect me. I, 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 want, I don't want to go home and, and, and pass that on to, to, to my wife. I, I don't want you to... We want to do our best. So when we're talking about compacted together, we got to work with that word, don't we, a little bit? We got to, we're doing our best. Man, we're trying our very best. Pray with us. Hey, text, or send us a my LOH, uh, whatever, and just put, I'm willing to help. Just put, I'm willing to help, okay? If, you want, if you're willing to help, we'll figure out a way. We need all the help we can get. I do anyway. Verses four and five. That is where the tribes go up, the tribes of the Lord, to praise the name of the Lord, notice this, according to the statute given to Israel. You know what that was? God's word. They didn't just unite the tribes in a place, but they united together around a person, God. They came together to pursue the presence of God, and that's how we come together. Think about it, all backgrounds that are here. Some of you come from some kind of a Christian background. Some of you don't. Some of you come from certain denominational cultures, and some of you don't. Some of you come from the, the cultures that are denominationally way different then and way different now. And there are different gifts in this room, different talents, different spiritual gifts, different points of view in this room. I bet you there are a few different points of view. Think? What do you think? Huh? Different points of view, different passions, way different personality types. You know what I found out in my 30-some years of being in the ministry? Most churches never get nasty over doctrinal differences under one roof. They get in squabbles over personality clashes in the name of Jesus. 
Failure to communicate. Failure to seek to understand someone else's point of view with as much passion as they want others to understand their point of view. Churches don't split over Jesus first issues, they split over me first issues. Me, the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. Someone say, ouch. <laughs> it's true. But we all come together because you know why? We come together with all those differences and all those things and passions that are God creates moments. And in God moments, we bond hearts. That's why the tribes were to come up, to produce unity, to birth a new level of unity. When God does something in the house, look around the house. Look around and see who experienced it with you. There's no one that's closer together than those who suffer things together. There's no one who's closer together than those who celebrate things together. There have been moments in my life when I just think back, happy moments in my life, celebrative times, and I look, and I look around and remember times. My friend, TPCW, we went to a Yankees-Orioles game. They made me go. But anyway, I went with them, and the Orioles were winning in the last inning at Camden Yards and, and Terry, and all, the place was filled with Yankee fans. I hope you're watching. I'm going to get you this. And the Yankees had, had guys on base, and A-Rod came up to bat. And A-Rod, if he hit a home run, that would have put the Yankees in the lead. And all the Yankee fans are going crazy except my friend TPCW. He looked at me. I looked at him and said, what do you think? He goes, Terry, he's never going to do it. The next pitch, A-Rod launches one as far as you could see. Three-run homer. The place is filled with Yankee fans and Camden Yards. The place is going nuts. Right? What was I talking about anyway? I don't know. Something about, oh, I know. That was years ago. And every now and then I bring that back up and I say, he's never gonna do it. And we laugh. Moments together, bond hearts together, right? So we come together for that. We also come together to, do I have a minute to preach? Do we come together to build up the faith and faithfulness of one another? We feed our hearts and souls in God's word. We drink his presence together right? Together. We come together in the presence of the living Christ for the purpose not only to be in his presence, but to train and grow and make disciples of this generation and the next and establish God's mission on the earth. What is that mission? David reveals it in verses three through nine, to be a witness among the nations. He says that's where the tribes go up. To do what? To praise the name of the Lord According to the statute, that's the word, we praise God and worship as the word of God tells us to. And also, there stand the thrones for judgment. That means discernment, making decisions of what's allowed in the house, what's allowed not. What's allowed in our lives, what's allowed not. What's allowed to influence our kids, What's allowed not? This tells us that we have to make a commitment to build up a people of truth in every generation. Paul calls the church the pillar and foundation of the truth. Now, pillars are people, not monuments. Movers and shakers 
who move with God but are unmovable when it comes to thus says the word of the Lord. In the house of God, it's where the thrones of judgment are established. Raising up each generation, listen, to remain true to the truth that was once and for all entrusted to us. I, I get sobered up when I think about standing in front of Jesus, but I get sobered up when I think about standing in front of Simon Peter or the Apostle John, where he'd walk up to me and say, I can get it that you didn't want to take 21 weeks to do my gospel, but you didn't have five weeks to do my letter. He preached on three steps to happy hip-hop, Christianity and how to love, 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 love. I mean, but you didn't have time for and my bro, my bro James. You didn't, you, didn't, you couldn't go five on James. You, you with me? How many more six steps to happiness sermons do we need? Okay. Because we. Because we have to navigate through dark things. We have to live in light and share the light of truth in a world gone way wrong. Not a little off track, way off track. Way off truth. People are crazy, friend, and times are strange. And we need to get locked into God's heart and get out of range from the seductive, deceptive, strong, delusional spirit of the age, but not hide away, but be right in the center. Humble, compassionate, Merciful, but unmovable. Listen. People right now are either getting their bride of Christ garment trimmed or are being deceived to exchange it for a harlot's garment. And the harlot beast false Christianity of the end days will look like a lamb, but speak like a dragon. But you have to have a lamb's heart to identify dragon speech. Anybody get that? Lot pitched his tent too close to Sodom. And then he became torn Divided and then deceived. Do you know what, where Lot got to? When they pressed at his door of his house. You know, Lot, if you read other parts, sat at the gate of the city. He was an elder, a decision maker at the gate of Sodom. And when they came to press their issue on his house, do you know what that man did? He was willing to give his daughters over to them. Whoever has ears to hear. Some things are too terrible to seem true, but they are true. And truth will not bend even when they're pushing against the door of your own home. I want my Graham to know that when his generation tells him to make peace with Goliath, he won't drop his slingshot in the name of love. Amen. 
I'm not talking about fighting with people. Our battle is not with flesh and blood, but, but there are flesh and blood people who are in covenant with a deceptive spirit. And it's not outside, it's in the house. There stand the thrones for judgment, not judgmentalism, not judging people. Decision making, guarding the precious faith of the Lord Jesus Christ. He said, when the Son of Man returns, will he find not faith on the earth, everybody's got faith in Jesus, the faith on the earth. Hey friend, when you get up close to the fire of the Holy Spirit and the fire of the altar of God, and then you come out of there with a fiery word from God in your heart, expect Lot to come with his bucket of water and pour it on you. In the name of love. It looks like a lamb and it speaks like a dragon. Did God really say? Let me ask you, whatever happened to Lot's wife? You know whose fault that was? That was Lot's fault. Because Lot, you might get out. Your kids might not. Your wife might not. What are we supposed to be? Establishing the thrones of judgment, not judgmentalism. What's allowed in? And to pray. Pray for the church around the nation and the world. We are not an entity unto ourselves in this local assembly of believers, the Lighthouse of Hope Church. We are not an entity unto ourselves nationally as Christians or denominationally or globally. We're to pray prayers that are vast, deep, and wide, and fervent. Pray for a conviction of conscience upon not the nation, but upon yourself. Amen. And pray for peace. Look at this verse. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. And, we, and a lot of people use that to pray for Israel. I, I totally am in that. I am totally there but I think it's more than that. Pray for the peace of the people of God. Let me, what, what I, that unfolds to me, let me, let me, may those who love you be secure. Let me, that, here's how I see that. We are not to avoid the mission of God. We are to go into the world. You know what Jesus said? Did you, everybody love Jesus? Right. He said some of them hated him without a cause. And he said some of them hated him and his father just simply because what he shared pointed out their sin. He sought sinners and loved them, but he never said, you know what, bring that on in here with you. What got Israel in trouble was some of the kings said, we'll worship Yahweh, but bring old Baal on in with you. Well, actually, some of them said, you know what, Let's move the altar of God over a little bit and make some more room for Molech. 
And some of the priests loved it. You know what they thought of Jeremiah for crying out against it? He was mean-spirited and hateful. The Babylonian church in the book of Revelation, they're going to hate the two witnesses and rejoice when they're killed. Don't worry about that. That's in the Bible. Share the truth in boldness and grace. Give us peace, Lord, as we are challenged for standing in truth. Give us peace if we're persecuted for being courageous and standing for conviction with the mercy of God dripping from our souls. May there be peace within your walls and security within your citadels. And LOH family, last point. Pray for us, for our families. He says, why do we do all this? Why do we come together? Why do we establish truth? Why do we pray for peace? For the sake of my family and friends, I will say, peace be within you. Why do we stand for truth? Why do we stand to worship? Why do we come together expecting unity and God moments to bond us closer and closer? For the sake of the house of the Lord our God, I will seek your prosperity. In other words, I want the altars of God to be as flaming hot in the year 2050 as they are now. I want these little kids that are down there, I, I want them to join them. I wanted, uh, it was hard for me to come upstairs because they were just going after Jesus, smiling. A couple of them had extra smiles because I passed out a few Skittles <laughs> around the room. Skittles will bring you back, baby. Got a fish. But for the sake of this house. Ladies of LOH, I heard that some of you gathered together and had one of the greatest prayer times, share times, I haven't heard my mom got filled with the Spirit and quoted a Psalm 91 or something. Pray for my mom. Thank you for committing to that week of prayer and fasting. I want to ask you to consider, all of you, consider prayer and fasting as a new part of your life of following Jesus. Let me close with these practical take-homes. Final slide, I think, yeah. Reunite your life to his triad of faithful promises. We are under the, under the canopy of the face of God, set times of the Lord. Reunite ourselves in this right here. Jesus' blood is our deliverance and protection. That's our Passover. We're to keep that. Pray, it over your, pray the blood of Jesus on your home, on your church, on the altars, on the ministries and the ministers. The blood of Jesus. The blood of Jesus is our deliverance and our protection. That's keeping the Passover. Second, Jesus' baptism is a powerful witness. Pentecost represents you will receive power after the Holy Spirit comes upon you. People go all over in all kinds of different angles on that. The point is, I'd rather, I'd rather us have it and explain it wrong. Then explain it right and not have it. How do you know if you have it?
You have power over serpents and scorpions, over all the power of the enemy. How do you know if you have it? Sometimes you don't, but people around you react like you do. Some it's out of avoidance. And some it's out of you're just going around your merry way, but you make them miserable, not because you did anything wrong, but the Holy Ghost is sloshing all over you, and you don't even know it, and it's making them think about things they don't want to think about. Listen, hey, expect Lot to come around. We're to be filled to present a convincing witness, a convicting witness filled with compassion and mercy and acceptance with others, but not changing the word of God. We have never been given liberty or license, and we never will, to change the word that was entrusted to us from those who died in the Roman Colosseum to when they, all they had to do was say, I'll change. Come on in, Baal. Nero, take over. What do you pay me? We, we can't afford to do that because there's people in the valley of decision and they don't know their right from their left. They don't know darkness from light. They don't know bitter from sweet. They don't know that Cardi B's new song is disgusting. I looked up, I looked up one of her songs on Spotify. 1.3 billion listens. God love her. God love her. But you know how many little girls? Aren't you glad no little Christian girl is listening, but her mom is? How close can we pitch our tents near Sodom and it not get on us? I just want to ask. We wear the bride of Christ on us, but we got a little stitch in here that says, but. No, sir. The Holy Spirit is opposite that. Yes, compassion and mercy, but he wants to give us boldness to present to a world gone wrong the everlasting, unchanging whole gospel that offers salvation to anyone but judgment on everyone who doesn't come in through the blood. The hour is late, a storm is coming, and God is calling his people to stand on a high mountain and proclaim the word of the Lord filled with the spirit, not self, real love, real mercy, real compassion, and real truth. And he promises to provide for us all through that wilderness. We pass through the cross and we're in the Holy Spirit under a new covenant and we gather in his name and we gather in his name and the worship team, you have to be filled with the Holy Spirit of God. You have to have the touch of God in your life. Everybody that works in the children's ministry, you gotta have the word of God in your life. You can't bring anything else in this house. You can't bring anything else in this house. Leave your idols at your own. If you got them, if you got them, chuck them because if you don't chuck them when the spirit convicts you it'll get you and you only have periods of seconds in time when the holy spirit says i'm talking about something right now in your life right then and right after that the dragon that sounds like a lamb will say did god really say that to you that's the difference between having the mind of christ and a harlot's forehead and i don't have time to go there but i could preach an hour on it right now right now without looking I'm not trying, man. A generation of little kids. 
My little grandkids, so tenderhearted, they'll, they'll sing a song about, Graham's singing, oh, the blood of Jesus. I want to melt into the floor. I want to take him and put him in a shed somewhere. <laughs> Not, I mean, he's got wonderful, I don't mean that. I'll get a wonderful pair. I don't mean that. I don't mean that at all. I just mean, oh my God, you're talking about, Paul says, in regarding purity, be like a child. What's, what breaks my heart, I, I named a name, but if you don't name a name, I don't mean to name names to judge. I'm just saying, listen. I mean, you talk about the gate wide open and flooding in. And all, all that. Do you know what the Feast of Tabernacles meant also? Listen, the end of the opportunity to harvest. The end of the harvest. One of these times, one of these days, the last soul will say yes to God. We'll bow to the, at the foot of the cross. We don't know when. Are you ready to meet Jesus? Are you where you ought to be? Will he know you when he sees you? Or will he say, depart from me? Are you ready? Are you ready? Are you ready for the storm? Are you ready for the swords? Are you ready for the shaking of all shakings? Are you ready for the coming of the consuming fire of the Holy Spirit that is going to say to his church, I'm not playing with you anymore. Get in the bride. Are you ready? Or are we sleeping, Brother John? Are we sleeping as believers? Are we using our ten talents, our five talents? Or are we burying them in the ground? Are we whining in the wilderness? Or are we remembering his faithfulness? Remembering how good and merciful. God ran out of mulligans for me a long time ago. You? Remembering God's mercy. There's no greater joy, listen, than when we come together and experience the presence of Jesus except this, watching it happen for our kids. No greater joy than those two things except this thing, watching God change somebody's life who's never met Jesus and come into a place of forgiveness and deliverance and healing that absolutely not only turns their life around, but turns their mom and dad's life around, turns their grandpa's life around, turns their family generational line around, changes their entire bloodline, gets the idols out of the generational curses that they've lived under, and sets them on a course of liberty until that day when they see his face. There are some people today that because you are willing to become a holy part of the bride of Christ, will come to know Jesus because you turned all your heart and said, I'm going to come and stand in the presence of God with others. Would you stand, please? Holy Spirit of God, have your way in this place. Holy Spirit of God, have your way in this place. Listen, I might have said six things in this today that could have been said way sweeter, way better. I don't know, man. A long time ago, God filled my Dixie cup up with a Niagara Falls anointing. And I, I got I to gotta live what I preach. And I try. 
I'm where you are. I need need to be as far away from the judgment throne as as I can and be near that mercy seat. I'm with you on that, friend. But I have an obligation. I'm not going to answer to you. I'm not going to answer to the assemblies of God. I'm not going to answer to the Southern Baptist Convention. I'm not going to answer to the Pope, bless his heart. I'm going to answer to Jesus. And right behind Jesus is going to be Peter, James, John, and Paul. And they're going to analyze and evaluate what I said to you every week. And Moses is going to stand there and the Levitical priesthood is going to stand there and, and say, did you discern the right from the wrong? Did you discern the, 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 the dark from the light? Did you, did, you, did you preach peace when there was no peace? Did you put a band-aid over people's demonic strongholds or did you show them how to get out? God help me. Pray for me, please. Pray for every pastor you know, every preacher you know, every Bible teacher, man and woman you know. I'll tell you what, the pressure of the age where you live, it's tough. There isn't a time when when I preach something like this that on my way home, I've got hordes of hell telling me to my mind, why are you so mean? Why do you have such a cock? And I'm sure I do, but my intention is to raise a gate of protection over you and your family and your and our city and our church to so the holy, holy, holy. Do you know that in the end times there will be a symbolic thing stamped on the, on the minds of the people that go to heaven? And it's this, holiness unto the Lord. Heavenly Father, I give this to you in Jesus' name, amen.